The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Dugout Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. What a great show we have in store for you today with Todd Gongwer, a leader of leaders. He has helped both coaches and leaders reach the pinnacle of success, being an advisor to Division I coaches, World Series winners, and a mentor to all sorts of leaders in the marketplace. He's the author of Lead for God's Sake, a best-selling book, and one of my personal favorites, a coach, a speaker, and encourager. Today, we're going to hit on passion, purpose, and priorities, and how they must all work together, and he's going to share some cool stories of coaches he has worked with both in football and baseball and we're going to touch on a really interesting subject of warriors and yes monsters todd welcome to the dugout ceo Hey, thanks, Casey. It's awesome to be here, man. I'm excited to talk to you. So, crazy story. You've actually been to my house. You probably don't remember that, do you? Okay, okay. okay. You got so, to tell me. Where... <laughs> so, Marissa was on your team, right? She's on your team. Yeah. And Marissa yeah. went to school with my wife, Connie, at Bethel College. So, oh, wow. you okay. were in town uh, in Atlanta for a speaking engagement, and I guess you dropped Marissa off at my house to hang out with my wife, and then I guess you went to your speaking engagement and oh my I found gosh. out yeah and I found out right when you left and Connie's like hey you know Marissa works for this guy named Todd and I'm like Todd who and I'm like oh wait what and I showed her the book I go Connie I just got done reading this book go get him find him <laughs> and that's here we awesome. are seven years later, maybe, and I finally oh, got you, man. so thanks for being here. Yeah. Oh, well, I wish you would have gotten – I definitely would have loved to, to have hung around a little bit and spent some more time with you, but Mar- Marissa should have called me. <laughs> in, in good timing, all things happen, and here we are. That's so right. thanks That's for right. being here. I know you're a small-town Indiana guy. So am I. So like, 100%. how small was your town? Because I, I want to see if mine was smaller or bigger. Like, what are we talking so, about? So Wakarusa is, I think, I think it's like fourteen hundred. Okay, so that's little, stop, man. Yeah, that's little. Stop, I I like to look at stoplights. So I've been to Wakarusa. I'm from North Webster, so we had two yeah. stoplights, and we could almost hold our breath through it. Wakarusa and North Webster are about the same, aren't they? Yeah, I think I think we we added another one just a few <laughs> years ago, just because State Road 19 goes through. So you know, there's like two on State Road 19, but it's it's a it's a total of three. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we so got yeah. a uh, we got a good bond over small midwestern towns. Yeah, and then that's right. Two and then two. So you did a little bit of basketball coaching at Bethel College, and uh, tell me, like, how did that come about? Being a basketball coach at Bethel College. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I was just I've always been really passionate about all sports and, and basketball is kind of the one that I landed on, you know, even in junior high, I just really kind of gravitated toward wanting to play that longer and really wanted to coach it. Um, from the time I was like 13, 14 years old, I actually knew I wanted to be a coach more than even play. I mean, I loved playing, but I wanted to coach. So, so I played as long as I could. I went down to Florida Southern was a walk on down there and then 
just went through some injuries and things and, and was like, at, at, when I came back home, I had had, we had a mutual friend that kind of connected us, um, my, myself and Mike Lightfoot. And, um, you know, I'd kind of expressed my passion for, for wanting to coach even more than play. And he was gracious enough at that time to kind of let me be a part of the staff just to learn. And then, and then, you know, what I thought, and probably he thought too, was going to be maybe just a year or two or a couple, you know, short stint ended up being, ended up being with him for 12 years um, and doing that for a long time. We had just some awesome, awesome seasons where I just learned a ton, ton from him. He was an awesome mentor to me and uh, a ton from just the experience of coaching, you know, college basketball. And as you know, we, in the nineties, we had like a four year run where we run, where we won three out of four NAI national championships. So it's pretty cool, you know, perspective shaper for me. And I was in the business world that whole time at the same time, because back then they didn't have assistants that had, you, you couldn't make a living on that. I'll put it that way. I got a little bit of a pay eventually, but you could make a living that way. So, um, so it was, that was a huge perspective shaper for me and my journey, not only, you know, prior to writing the book, but, you know, I always share with people spending 12 years running in both the business and the sports world at that level was just incredibly uh, shaping in my life and my journey. And it's helped me, you know, work on both ends. Cause that's what I do now. I still, I work with teams all over the country in, in sports world, but also in the business world. And there's so many parallels that both can learn from the other. So it's been a yeah. cool thing. So whether you're building a basketball program or a football program or a baseball program or you're, you know, a CEO of a business, there's probably similar things that you want to make sure you do in order to yeah. build an effective organization. Looking back at your years in the 90s, winning all those national championships, what was it that Coach Lightfoot did? Like, what made that program so successful that you think our listeners can learn from what you did and how you won and maybe they can take some things from it? Yeah, I think, um, oh gosh, there's so many, like, as you know, you've been in and around it in the coaching world. I mean, there's so many variables and uh, that have to be, you know, you just got to get the right things. We had really good players, um, but to get that, you know, there's, I think the program built on genuine relationships was an absolute key. I mean, coach was great at that and all, and he had all of us. And I, I love that part. That was my my thing was always about the the human dynamics and, you know, kind of helping connect at a deeper level. I loved that aspect of the coaching world. And so he did a great job of, of making sure that, that we were focused on that. And he was focused on that, of course. And the relationships were, they were genuine. It wasn't about, hey, what can I get from you as an athlete? It was, you know, more about, hey, what can we pour into these kids? How can we pour into these kids? Um, to help them be the best that they can be, not just now, but in life. And so, you know, with all the changes, uh, particularly in the NCAA with the transfer portal and all the you know things going on now, I mean, <laughs> just having this conversation yesterday with a with a Power Five football coach, and you know, again, we go back to it, now more than ever that concept, the concept of genuine relationships, are they real? Do they, you know, do these kids really matter? Because as a coach, it is so hard to keep that in balance and in the right check. And, uh, you know, it's always been important. But I think now more than ever, the answer to the transfer portal and and NIL and all of these other things that are pulling everybody apart is, are you able to build? Do you really care? Do you really care? Genuinely. So. So what is that? What does that look like? And. 
because it does feel like a lot of people, I used to be one of these people where you have employees on your team and they're just a number to get you to a certain number. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. a real thing to that because you have pressures as a coach or a leader or a business owner, like you have to meet payroll, you have to grow your revenue, you have to make investors happy. Like, how do you balance that tension of we have to be successful versus, hey, I need to take care of my people and have general and, you know, relationships? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, it's really, really hard. And that's why it's, I would tell you that I think it's very, um, it's more the exception than the norm in both of those worlds, in both the business and sports world. And it's not to say that there's not, you know, there's a lot of people out there that care about people on, on both ends, on both the business and the sports world. But I would tell you that there's, um, I, I mean, the, the ones that are, are truly committed to making sure that that, that that genuine love and that impact truly does, uh, you know, supersede anything else, those are very, very rare. And it's an intention. It's a, it's a, you know, there's all kinds of things that go into that too. I think intentionality is the key, just like with anything else in our lives. I mean, if you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, uh, none of those things are going to be on an upward trajectory unless you intentionally make, you know, engage in it. And I think that's the same thing with those relationships and, and building that dynamic into the business and sports world. You know, to your point, you know, I always tell we, you, and you've heard it said, I didn't make this up, obviously, but, but the, you know, profits and I would say wins are, they're a part of it. You, you know, it's, it's like breathing. We have to breathe to live, but we don't live to breathe. And it's the same thing in the sports world and the business world. We got to make money. We got to win, yeah. but we shouldn't, we shouldn't live to win and make money. You know, it should be about something way bigger than both of those things. And that's hard. Because there's a lot of uh, that's a powerful attraction, the the power that comes with money and wins on both of those worlds. But that's a heart thing too, which is why yeah. uh, kind of the last twelve, thirteen years of my journey and and even in cultural development stuff that I'm working with is always about we talk about skill set, mindset, but heart set is what gets the leftovers, and actually heart set is what. If if we're in either one of those worlds, heart sets where the majority of the problems and challenges lie. As people, their hearts are in the wrong place. They lose sight of the right thing, you know, the, the bigger purpose. They lose sight of the relationships and the things that should be most important. Those are heart set issues. And so that's what the focus should always, you know, what the focus has to be on. And that's a, a nonstop intentionality that has to be put in place by the leader at the top first and foremost, and then trickle down. So this heart issue. So I want to talk about that, but I just got done watching the Urban Meyer Florida documentary on Netflix. Have you watched that yet? Yeah, I did. I, absolutely. I had to, I, I watched it shortly yeah. after it came out because I was, I, I mean, you know, obviously I've, I've had a lot of interactions with Urban over the years, spent a lot of time with him and watched, I mean, that journey. So I was, I was super intrigued by what that would be. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was hard to watch because I'm like, and I know you've worked with them and you work with power five coaches. I mean, and share what you can or you can't, but you know, part of me is like, man, I really love this guy. And then part of me is like, Oh man, he's, he, he's got the wrong motivation or intention. Like he brought the one kid and he came home and he sat on his couch and he basically adopted this guy. And then he's just mm -hmm. taking these guys and saying kill and murder and 
and, and, and if you don't, like, kill your competition, you're nothing. So I, I'm just like that battle, but it's like I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, and I'm like, if you don't win a national championship, you're getting hate mail. And if you don't keep winning, you're not going to have a job. And, like, how do you balance that tension? And whether you're coaching at Florida or you're coaching at a small school in the Midwest or you're running a small business, like, it just feels like there's all these pressures. And, you know, it looked like at the end, you know, he kind of cracked the way they showed it. He had to, you know, take Ambien and then drink a beer and he couldn't sleep. And, like, yeah. he tried to quit, but then he couldn't quit and he unretired. And then it's like, not we don't have to talk about him per se, but that's a story that's typical. So where mm -hmm. do we go from there to how do you win the right way? Yeah, I think that's uh, I mean, again, like I said, I think he's such a it's a it's an extreme example for sure, because I think everybody's wired a little bit different. And, and um, you know, he's one of those guys that and, and that was the it was the end of that documentary was really you know, about the time that he came across the book and read lead for God's sake and reached out to me and, and kind of had gone through, you know, really kind of hit him in the heart. <laughs> and because you can see, and you, you just described it really well, kind of the tension, even the tension that was battling in his own heart. And again, to your point that many, many coaches and, and leaders in both work, both business and sports world battle that tension of, you know, maintaining a healthy balance between we got to be competitive and we got to want to win and we got to go fight, 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 you know, and all those things. And yet keeping the right perspective and making sure that the value of human beings and, and even how we're developing them for the future truly is the priority over, you know, just do I want to, and I always say this, and this is going to be a, 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 you know, I'm working on this in uh likely another book one of these days, but um, the difference between warrior and monsters. Are you building warriors or monsters? And monsters, monsters will kill. Monsters will destroy. Monsters will do what you, you know, I mean, like they'll, but a monster doesn't have self-control. A monster doesn't understand humility and all of the things that are needed actually for, you know, long, the long term. A warrior is calculated. A warrior is fighting for a bigger cause. A warrior isn't just fighting to feed their hunger and their natural. A war, you know. So, I would tell you that that um, I get. You know, my heart is helping coaches and business leaders. And, and when I talk about the heart stuff or the heart set thing, part of that is is helping them understand even within. Because I think in many cases, we all have a warrior and a monster within. What are we feeding? What are we really trying to build here? And I think that's what it that's what it really comes down to, because it is a man and especially people that haven't been, you know, on the inside, I would say, uh, particularly of a of a big time college football coach and a power. Five. I mean, the the things that they have to manage and the audiences that they have to appease, not just the fans, but when you talk about the NCAA. The administration, the fact, the, the rest of the faculty and staff, their own staff, the fans, the media, and then on top of all of that, then they got, of course, their players, which is supposed to be the priority. And um, it, it's it, it's a it's a beast, so to speak, to manage that. So it's not easy what those guys do, and and you know, coaching period isn't, but but uh, those guys in particular have like just a lot of numbers 
uh, from a lot of different angles coming at them. So it's a challenge for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about that monster and warrior. So you're saying there's a monster inside of me and there's a warrior inside of me. Like, what does that actually mean? And what do I do with it? Yeah. So I think the, the, the monster inside of us tends to move toward our, our natural, um, how we were born. And you and I know that, man. We're born and our flesh wants what we want. We're selfish. We're, it's all about me, 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 me. That's where we are as babies, right? We, we, we're hungry. We throw a fit. Why? Because we want, we want, we want, you know, we want attention. We want fed. We want take, you know, everything is about us as we get older and we develop and we begin to understand the, the social components around us. Hopefully if we mature and, you know, my faith walks me through a, a, how to do this in the right ways in many, many ways, I should say, um, in a powerful way. But, you know, we, bec- we we understand the importance of selflessness and serving those around us and not focusing so much on ourselves as focusing on others and how we can help them. And, you know, within that is, again, the power of self-control, you know, loving, genuinely loving others, walking in joy and peace patience, kindness, goodness. You, you see where I'm going, right? Patience, sure. kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those things are, and, and again, I'll go back to a warrior mentality can walk, can walk in those things. A warrior, again, is calculated. A warrior is leading, you know, an army of troops to do. Uh, so a warrior has so many of these leadership things that are not just about them. It's about the bigger cause. It's about the bigger people. It's about, and again, like I said, they're walking in it in a healthy way. So we have that within us too. If we open our hearts up to that and, our, and we become intentional with, and this is, this is a better way, you know, this is a better way. And we may not, we may not destroy everybody that gets in our path, you know, like a monster will seek to. But let me tell you, at the end of my day, uh, when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I want to know I'm doing the right way. And even more importantly than laying my my head on the pillow at night is when I breathe my last breath and I'm done here on this earth. I want my family. I want my legacy. I want all those things to be way more about a warrior mentality than a monster mentality. And um, so... There's a lot more to that. We could talk for two hours because I, I told you I've been I've been working on, you know, that's that's a big part of what's what's to come. So stay tuned. Yeah. So like, when is this book coming out? Because like those two things right there, <laughs> the, I, I'm like, okay, great, thank you. You've uncovered something in me, Monster Warrior. What am I supposed to do with it now? So is this because it's like, is this a checklist? Is this I need accountability partners? Like. What do I do yes. knowing – what does that look like? Yeah, that's, that's one – I mean, like, it's funny because you just, you just hit the nail on the head. And I'll tell you that's the, that's the difference with a lot of, of coaches and business leaders that I work with. The accountability that you just mentioned is a huge part of that is do you have people around you that are helping you and, and can actually see when you're going down the monster path and would check you for it? Yeah. And the higher up you go, the more powerful you become – and again, when you're sitting in a, in a head coach's spot or a CEO spot or any kind of leadership spot, I mean, the higher you go, um, the more difficult it is to find those people that will speak truth into your life and they'll call you out and that'll, that'll put a, a level of accountability around you that is truly healthy. And again, like I said, helps you remain 
maintain that focus on the right things, walk humbly and, and serving others and, you know, be, be selfless in your, in your life. And again, self-control, those types of things, you know, how many times in a, in a, you know, is there, is there an assistant coach that'll walk up to the head coach after the head coach just completely, you know, destroyed somebody in front of the team or something and crossed the line. Let's just say they crossed the line on something, you know, is there somebody on the staff that's that's got the fortitude that's going to walk up and go, hey, cross the line there, man. That, that's not what we're about. And I know that's not what you're about. So. And you you're know. saying an assistant coach would do that to the head coach? Very rarely. Very I'm saying rarely. that that if you I'm saying that if you have a warrior's mentality, you build that around you. But very, 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 very few of the most powerful ones do. Yeah, because it feels lives, like they're in life they don't, challenge. Yeah, like the ones that are at the top, they're the they don't have the, to. They're yeah, they're the know it all. They're the hey, I'm at the top. It's my rules, my, and it's it's almost like they haven't created a culture where they feel like people feel safe to share that with them, right? Or when people do share, they just brush it off. And that's right. And I was there. Like it takes one to know one. I was in that position. And I think it was because literally I was just trying to survive. I was at the top, but I was almost like too scared to tell people like I wasn't doing well. And I had to put on this like this face of, hey, I got it all together. I'm at the top. Why are people so scared, whether they're in leadership, whether they're a coach or an owner or whatever? Why are people so scared to ask for help or to create that culture where they have that person that is able to speak truth into their life? Yeah, I mean, that's a. That's a long, uh, there's a long, long, long answer to that question. So many things that fuel the insecurities and, and even the ego, narcissism. There's different things that, you know, over time develop, grow, whatever, if, if left unchecked. And so, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to that. But I, I just think, again, that's, you know, that's, that's been one of its, it's been interesting because I will tell you for the last, even before I wrote the book, probably, one of the things that I would, I feel is one of my, maybe my most important calls, part of my most important calls in my life is, um, is, is working with individuals that maybe are in those shoes, you know, coaching a really, really high level CEO or a really, really, you know, highly successful CEO or head coach, because it is a lonely spot. And you, what happens is what really fuels this more than anything else is the vast, vast majority of the people around you become that yes man, or that, you know, for lack of a better term, psychopaths. And and where everything you say, you know, yes, yes, yeah, okay, 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 you know, and we just and they feed it because people are selfish themselves. People want approval. People want power, so they want to appease power and. You know, they don't want, they don't want to lose their job. They want to, they want to climb the ladder in their job. So if I tell the boss everything they want to hear, if I can figure that out, you know, and so you, you just get, you get a ton of that in a ton of places. And it's, it's just rare to find those people who are really willing. And I would tell you that love you enough to, to risk even the relationship or a position that you may have with them. And I've always told the, the, the clients, the coaches that I work with, the CEOs or leaders that I work with, I've always told them from the beginning, whether, you know, even from a standpoint of, you know, if I'm getting paid to do it, I will still tell them, listen, I don't care if you never give me another penny. I don't care if you fire me tomorrow. I don't care. I cannot care about that. I care about you. 
And there will be times when I'm going to tell you something that you really do not want to hear and you probably disagree with. And that's okay. Because you know what? Nobody else is going to. And we all need that. Every one of us needs those because, because we all have blind spots. Yeah. And so, again, like I said, uh, but you, you hit the nail on the head. When you have, when you have two or three national championship rings, I don't care what level, or you have, or you're making three, four, five, eight, ten million dollars a year. Either one of those things, I don't have to listen to you. You know, why would I have to listen to you? Know, I don't have to listen to anybody because obviously I've figured it out. And the thing that I would tell you is there's so many other factors that go into that figuring it out process that, you know, it's like, man, you got to be careful with that. You got to be careful with that because I have, I mean, and I've seen many, many, and, and all of us have seen many, many, many of the, some of the most quote unquote successful people, both in the sports and business world that were also very clearly some of the most narcissistic, out of control, ego, you know, I mean, like, and yet they got that way. Well, if that's what you want for your life and that's what you, leg that you want your legacy to be, then there is a way to do that. And that's the monster way, I would tell you, is you destroy anybody that gets in your way. <laughs> if you care about the other side of that and you truly have a conviction to walk in a different way and leave a different kind of legacy, then then I think there's a there's a different mentality that goes with that. And, and so keeping that in check is really, really hard. And most... Most will tell you, most of the highest level, most successful people out there will tell you, yes, I absolutely want to be self-aware. Self-awareness is so, so important. It's so, so important. It's so, so important. Until you make them aware of something they really don't like and then they don't want to be aware of that anymore and they don't want to believe you and they want to find another answer somewhere else. So, you know, I mean, and that, that's not. That's way more the norm than the exception. So, but there, there's a lot of, I shouldn't say that because there's, there's a ton of great coaches out there and great, you know, business CEOs. I, I've, had, I've been blessed to be around, you know, a ton of really, really good, you know, good hearted um, yeah. leaders too. So, but I, I, I've been able to also see both sides. Yeah. And I, I think there's two types of people <clears> listening <throat> to this. There's the person that's listening to this that's, you know, the leader of an organization. One, you know, who is your person that is willing to speak truth into you? Have you given them right. the platform to, and have you made it safe for them to do that and ask them mm -hmm. and just know it's like, they're not going to want to just give it to you. Like you're going to have to beg for it and ask for it. And then there might be that person that you're the person that you see somebody, whether they're a friend or a family member or they're a leader or a boss. And you're like, Hey, I see something in them that others see that they don't see. And I would encourage you to, to think about, all right, what am I going to do with that? Just last weekend, we were at a men's group retreat and a buddy was sharing with me that he's going on a bachelor, not a bachelor party. We're all old now. We don't even do bachelor parties. We're yeah. celebrating our 40th birthday party trip. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Republic. And it's him yeah. and a lot of his college buddies. And this is a guy that lived his life one way, Todd, and now he's trying to live another. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. group of friends that he's been around now for like the last two people's 40th birthday parties. And he's like, Casey, I just messed up. Casey, I just messed up. And he's trying to live one way back at home. And then he goes to these other environments. And I said, look, man, if you're going to go again, you need to bring somebody with you or you can't go because 100%. in life, people are going to become more like you or you're going to become more like them. And if they're not becoming right. more like you on this That's trip, good. you've got to stop. Now, what I'm trying to figure out now, Todd, is this trip's coming up in a couple of weeks. 
I'm trying to figure out what to do now if, you know, he goes without that accountability partner and he falls. But still, if he does, like, I've done that. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. Yeah. Like I've, So it's there's there's grace and there's mercy, but there's also, like, it's time to, to, to grow up. It's time to challenge others. And it's also, if you're at the top, like, invite – you know, other people in. So Todd, I'm, I'm tracking with you hundred yeah. percent. So yeah. I want to get so into good. this real quick, your journey. You said you were working 80 hour work weeks. You're trying to figure out a way to win at home, at work with your wife. And then, yeah. you know, your whole thing is misguided passions, misplaced priorities, misunderstood purpose. Mm. Like, do you need to understand all three of those things? Or is there like one thing that you got to get this thing first in order to really understand everything else? Yeah, that's, a, that's a really good, like I phrased that Casey. I think, I think understanding uh, of all those, I think understanding our, our ultimate purpose here on this earth is, is kind of the start of that. At least that was for me um, because it puts those other priorities in place. It, it opens your eyes to, all right, wait a minute, are my passions really <laughs> about what I say they are or are they really about me, 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 wow, yeah. you know, and, and is my family really the priority or is it, you know, and so when I talk about the bigger why and why God, why God has us here on this earth, why do he create you? What's your ultimate purpose? If you're ever going to be your best anything, anything, for something to be, I mean, this is a pair, a pair of glasses. Uh, it was created for a specific purpose. And I can use this thing. I mean, I can have an itch on my head. I can go like this. I mean, I can be mad at somebody. I can throw it at somebody. And it could hit. So it could serve a lot of different purposes. But it's still not like – it, what it was created for right here. I mean, that's it. My gosh, I see so much better now. I don't know why I forgot to have those on. I should have had those on. But I mean, that's, you know, that's the reality and that's our lives. Uh, you know, God created us. And, and the thing is, is we overcomplicate it because sometimes we try to get so hyper-focused on, okay, what are my gifts? Where are my talents? And, and where's all these sweet spots and all these other things. And I always tell people, you know, you're thinking wrong. The foundation of our purpose begins with our relationships. God created us for relationship first and foremost. You want a, you want a happy life. You want a life of peace. I should say more than happy. A peace and joy is going to come from your genuine relationships, first with Him, and then with all those He's put in your path for a reason. And when everything starts, when when you grasp that as a foundational truth of your life. Everything changes. You know what I mean? Like everything should flow from that now. My passions, if they're pulling me away from healthy relationships, then I got to check my passions. If what my pursuits, if my, you know, all of those things. And, and again, from a priority standpoint, that, you know, that falls into line with that too, is once I understand the relationship thing, you know, if I'm married, I, my belief is if, if I married, that's my number one priority here on this earth. Now, God, I talk about this in the book, but God's too big to be put in a priority box. He doesn't want to be number one. He wants to be at the center of everything. You know, so he, he, my wife is my number one priority on the earth. He's at the center of that relationship, though. My kids are right after my wife. You know, my number one thing you can do, you know, the best way to love your kids is love your wife, right? And, and but Christ has to be at the center of that. And again, what is that? That's relationship. It's not about doing all the rituals and saying, oh, I don't do this and do do this and don't do this and do do this. Those things fall in line after. But it's a relationship. Yeah. And when you when you get that, man, 
everything else. And it doesn't mean, it, listen, it's a lifetime journey. You know this. I mean, I can get it today and be on track and the next three weeks be completely out of balance and stressed out and focusing on the wrong things and go, you know, I'm losing. But the peace in my heart has to be the ultimate, like, I know that's it. And that's my true north. That's what I got to continue to go back to. So it's really good. So who should read this book? Lead for God's sake. It's been out now for, you know, what, a decade plus, right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, um, came out in 2010. So it's daggone time I write another book, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> we're, we're hinting on that. You let us know when that's coming, right? Or at least give us yeah. some visuals or something because that, that monster yeah. and warrior thing I think is really good. But I mean, this, this book, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but you get to the end and it, it just kind of built up for me. And then all of a sudden I was like, it was like a wow moment where I'm like, because what I was doing in my life was exactly what the main character was doing in the book. So I'll tease yeah. that, but like, who should read this thing? Like, cause for me, it's like, I'm not going to read something unless it could solve my problem. At least back in the day, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I didn't read for enjoyment. Yeah. Like if I want to do fun things, I'm going to go watch baseball game or something, but like, yep. I want a book to help me solve a problem. What is a problems this book will help you solve or what is like the end result you would want somebody or you wanted somebody to get as a result of reading this book? Yeah. You know, who, who should read it? I think, you know, one of the, one of the really, uh, I guess, cool things about it. I, I never intended to write it, write it as a parable. You know, the way it came out was really, really unique. And I feel like God just did a really cool thing there. And because of that, what I've seen on the journey, when I wrote it, I thought I was writing it to, you know, and I was 40 when I wrote it, so I'm in my 50s now, but I really thought I was writing it to that 40-year-old that was reached a point in their life or their climate, climate, you know, misguided purpose, misguided passion, all those things, and the coach, the business person, all that. And But as the journey, you know, started and the book kind of took off, I started getting notes from, you know, both male and female alike different age groups alike, different professions, all kinds of different, you know, and what I kept hearing from people was it just kind of meets you where you are because if you're an athlete, you can relate, you know, or even a, even a student, you can relate to what the kids are dealing with, the characters that are, you know, students in the book, what they're dealing with and they're battling kind of in their own identity and their pursuits and selfishness and different things like that. If you're a parent, you can relate. You can the kids can relate to dealing with parents and even dealing with teachers and coaches like that. If you're in the business world, you can relate to the the, the drive in the business world. So it's a long answer to your question, Casey. But I I mean I thought there was a much more narrow group, and yet it, it's just kind of it's been crazy how you know you can't get you can't hardly get young people. And I get it to to read a book these days. I didn't. I certainly wasn't wanting to read when I was high school or, or college, for that matter. But the responses that I get, if a if a college athlete or a or a high school student or something, I mean, like they'll they'll read it and go, and this is I could it went so fast. It was like you know. Yeah. So so and then of course the, the people more in in later stages of life when they have kids and they're raising kids and things like that. So and I've I've heard from all of them. And uh, that's a really cool, and it's a reminder to me that I had a lot of help from above writing it because there's no way I could have written something on my own to kind of reach that group. So sure, and it's been kind of crazy. Any, you know, people listen to this, they could be a coach, baseball coach potentially. Is there any 
stories that kind of come to mind or coaches that you worked with on the baseball side of things that you could share to say, hey, this was something? Oh, I mean, gosh, the, the you know, two, two of the biggest, I mean, like, and I've had some great experience with different coaches in, around the country, but I know Brian O'Connor, both Brian O'Connor, the, you know, University of Virginia head coach, and um, Gary Gilmore, Gilly, uh, both those guys have become truly great friends over the last, you know, 10 years. I've, I've spent time with both of them, a lot of time with both of them, time with their teams, different, different times. Gilly, you know, Gilly went through just unbelievable. If you've ever watched or seen his story of winning the World Series, College World Series, a few years back, you know, we did it. We actually did a documentary. I did a documentary on it because he, of how he had read the book and then gone through a really, really tough season. And then for whatever reason, felt like he needed to read it again because he got it. But he was like, I mean, I just didn't get it. And then he told about how it and, and just hearing his story tears up all the time when he tells it. Hearing his story of how what it did to his heart and how it moved him into a deeper focus on his on loving the kids as he was coaching them um, was just awesome. And then and, and Oak uh, at University of Virginia, you know, Brian O'Connor. He had he had kind of a really unique story too, and in, in a season that they were supposed to be, you know, top five the whole year, and then all of a sudden they just they really were struggling. Uh, as you know, that was a year Craig Littlepage, had, the, the AD, had brought me in to work, you know, speak to all the head coaches there, and he was kind of in a bad place. And he he tell he tell the story. He's like, man, I and I went and I watched some of the stuff that you were doing because I wasn't he wasn't gonna have time to meet with me, and then he was like all right, we got to get together. And, you know, we, we ended up getting together and it was just a really cool, cool conversation and friendship that started. But he would tell you that the book, the concept, that, that process, he really had helped him just get the right perspective on what he should be focusing on. Cause he, he can be wound up just like most baseball players, man, they're real or baseball coaches there. I found out there's so much more analytical than I, like I'm an emotive guy. That's why I'm more basketball, football, you know, like high intensity, emotive. Where basketball guy or baseball guys are just so much more analytical, controlled, you know. I mean, so but you know, he he just he went through some really cool, kind of really cool shifts that season, and they and they ended up winning the world, the College World Series. So it was really, and again, like I said, both of those guys had just become great friends. I, I go back, I've been back multiple times to to see him and stay in touch with both of them frequently. Yeah. So. I've learned I've learned a lot from both of them. So is, is there a money back guarantee if I read this book and I don't win the College World Series? Because it sounds like everybody <laughs> everybody that you work with either wins yeah. the College World Series or you know the college yeah. football playoff. Like I mean, you've worked with some pretty cool people, no. and I mean it's it's cool how just by doing the right things, the right results will happen. And it just comes to remind me like there's just there's different ways to win. It sounds like there's there's you can still win a championship, but almost do it in a way that's self-serving versus team serving. And Todd, I mean, the book, it's a must read. I, everybody go get it. We'll put the link in the show notes, but keep up the great work there because it's just amazing what you're doing and the way that you've been able to encourage and inspire and just helping those two coaches. I mean, they have 30 players on their roster and those 30 men yeah. are going to be dads. So it's like you've impacted, I don't even, you can't probably can't even put a number on it. So one, keep yeah. up the great work. And Kind of end us with this. Where are you spending your time today? If somebody wants to get to know you better or work with you, like what does that look like? Yeah. So, well, let me let me just say this first, Casey. On that, I appreciate the kind words, but those guys. I mean, again, like I said, I, I've been extremely blessed 
when I go to places like that, I've learned so much from, from, you know, Brian O'Connor and Gilly and, and even guys like Urban, Dabo Sweeney, Tony Bennett. I mean, you know, I've had the opportunity to be around those guys, but I certainly didn't. I mean, like the, the book in a lot of cases, you know, like a Dabo and Tony's cases, those guys were guys that they get it. Those guys have always been living and leading those ways, you know? So all of us, I think, go through that where we get, we know what the right way to do is. We just have a hard time staying true to it. Sometimes that book helps kind of bring that back up. So I don't want to take, I definitely don't want to take any credit for those national too. Those guys are all brilliant coaches and I just feel blessed to have been able to learn, be around a little bit, but um, no, I, I spend, um, I still work with, um, you know, I, I, I still work with some teams out there. I have um, a limited amount of time because I'm actually, I'm in a, I work with a, uh, a public company that I actually have a position in right now that I, that I am uh, serving as a, an executive vice president and, and my, we're, we're going through a cultural transformation. So we've got about 10,000 employees right now, 10 or 11,000 and places all over the country. And so I'm, I'm charged with kind of helping, you know, so I've been back in the lab for the last few years, you know, fortunately CEO team that I work with are great because they know, you know, that I've got, you know, I work with South Carolina football and I'm going to actually be with Wisconsin basketball next week. And so, so I still get to do, I still do a lot of that, which, which helps my perspective. You know, we, that, that uh, I'm learning all the time and I always will, man, I'm, I'm, 53 and and I don't have any plans for, I mean, I hope I can do this until I'm 80 years old. So, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm still, again, I can still, I still coach, uh, work with some other CEOs and business leaders out there. And I still work, like I said, with some other uh, coaches and and programs out there too. So, and like I said, I'm going to always be doing that. So, you know, you can find me on the website, on Twitter and all that other stuff. And it's easy to, it's easy to find me. If you, if you look at the book, that's the that's the kind of lead in. So um, I always tell people, I think if you read the book, you'll you'll kind of see where my heart is. That's it. Well, Todd, thank you so much. We'll put all the links in the show notes. You've been fantastic, and thanks for being a guest awesome. on the Dugout CEO. Dugout Nation, what an amazing time with Todd. A couple big takeaways I got for you. Number one, warrior or a monster? We all have it in us, but which one are we? A warrior or a monster? It's that tension between competitiveness and valuing human beings in the context of coaching and leadership in sports and business. And monsters, they lack that self-control and understanding of important qualities like humility. And warriors are calculated. They fight for a larger cause, and they possess qualities like self-control, humility, and a sense of purpose. The monster, it's driven by selfish desires, while the warrior it embodies the selflessness, service, and positive qualities like patience, kindness, and self-control. And number two, Todd's expertise is helping people with misguided passions, misplaced priorities, and misunderstood purpose. We focused on purpose and that being like the kind of thing that you must nail before you jump into passion and priorities. What's your purpose? Can you answer it? And is it clear? And number three, don't hire yes men. Todd worked with World Series winning coaches like Brian O'Connor and Gary Gilmore. And not only were they clear on their purpose and their passions and their priorities, but they were great at surrounding themselves with the right team. Players, yeah, you need them. You have to have great players to win the game. But he also said that great leaders at any level surround themselves with others who can challenge them. 
He is big on having no yes men, making sure that people are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Be open and honest with yourself. You might not always be right or get it right, but be humble and bring in others and surround yourself with people that can challenge you. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP at what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.